Welcome to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm your host, Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer at Westfield Bank. In this episode, we'll be talking about how advancements in healthcare had shifted the industry, changed provider approach, and affected insurance companies. Keep watching to learn more. Welcome to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. Today we're going to be talking about the healthcare industry, and we have two special guests joining us here today. First, we have Dr. Jennifer Prezioso, CEO and founder of Balanced Foot and Ankle. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Jennifer, why don't you please tell us a little bit about your company and Great. what you do? And thank you, Kevin, for having me. I'm honored to be here, and Tim, honored to sit here next to you for this session. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, like you mentioned, I am the founder and CEO of Balanced Foot and Ankle Wellness Center. I'm also a podiatric surgeon by training, and um, my husband and I started Balanced Foot and Ankle in 2017 after um, we both came from more institution um, settings of of providing healthcare. And um, since that time, we've really tried to focus on organic growth and evolution, um, community and patient engagement. Um, and also just um, expansion, expansion of, of not only our practices, but really the passion for what we do and, and how we deliver uh, patient care. And so we are made up now of eight um, podiatric physicians and surgeons, mm-hmm. uh, most of which are board certified, nationally recognized, um, intimately involved in research and design and, and education. As well, so we now have five locations: Avon, Lakewood, Concord, Lorraine, and Medina. And also joining us is Tim Juca, who is a client executive at Oswald Companies. Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do at Oswald? Thanks, Kevin. I'm delighted to be here today with you, talking about this uh, topic of healthcare. Um, I've been with Oswald Companies for going on nine years. Okay. Uh, I'm a client executive, helping companies like Westfield Bank manage their health and welfare benefits with a particular focus on healthcare and health insurance plans. Um, I've been doing this for about 19 years. Okay. Um, I've spent that time focused on um, all facets of benefits and helping companies manage those portions of their plans. Um, I'm really interested in the evolution of healthcare over the last 20 years. Things have really changed, and it's it's a huge area that companies focus on. Um, it's one of the second largest expenses next to their payroll. So we've been working with companies for quite a while now, helping them focus on strategies okay. to manage benefits. Okay, good. Well, thank you both for joining me. Thank so you. You, you both mentioned in your intro evolution, and I think we'll go with that, really, mm-hmm. the evolution of, of healthcare. And when you think about that, it's really like with digital enhancements that come to mind is, is, is telehealth and, mm-hmm. and how that has impacted. I think telehealth has really grown recently. I think that it's, in a, very, it's a very um, attractive feature, I think, for yeah. patients and providers alike. I think that there is um, there's a desire, I think, for patients to have their, you know, this concept of care anywhere. You know, patients want to be able to access their medical records. They want to access sure. um, their providers and their healthcare team um, through these HIPAA-compliant 
platforms that give them that freedom to um, do this, you know, have a visit with their provider at home um, or on their lunch break. Um, I think these things are very important to, to consumers everywhere, patients especially. Um, I think it's also been critical in that it also helps to save, you know, cut costs and reduce costs for patients, um, whether it's, you know, rising gas prices, um, to drive to the um, facility that maybe their doctor is located. Um, you know, taking time off work can be inconvenient and costly. Finding, you know, arranging childcare for, for families. So I think the, the rise in telehealth has been very attractive and I think it's been very successful because of all of these reasons. And I think most specialties now are really trying to find um, the telehealth platforms to, to tap into and to utilize in their day-to-day operations sure. of patient care. All right, thanks, Dr. Prezio. So that was, those are great comments around, around telehealth. Tim, what do you think? Um, what's your point of view? Yeah, from, from our point of view, we see a couple different facets related to telehealth. One, as um, Dr. Jennifer mentioned, is a convenience factor. The other one is an eye toward cost and controlling cost. It's uh, far more affordable to have that step for an early diagnosis or visit sure. um, using telehealth. So there's the convenience factor and the cost factor as well. Um, and we also have to remember the workforce right now has members from more different generations simultaneously working, yeah. and they don't all experience things the same way, and particularly healthcare, um, where we can leverage technology that really appeals to some folks, the convenience factor and the ability to um, see a, a healthcare professional very quickly and in a timely manner. No, and, and you mentioned technology. So as technology continues to advance, how does that impact the, the, the whole telehealth process? You know, like you get smart devices that that are attached to your body and it, and it tracks you know, like your pulse ox, your heart rates, and different things. Is is technology continuing to develop that will make telehealth even more beneficial in the future? I don't know what you see, Dr. Prezioso. Is that things yeah. down the down the road that you see, or absolutely yes? I think that um, one thing technology does also is it helps the patient to be more engaged in their own health and wellness. Sure. And um, really, it's important. I think that um, patients take an active role and you know feel like they're a part of their healthcare team rather than just you know a group of of uh, practitioners and providers sort of telling them what to do. I think patients want to log in and see their uh, medical records. They want to be more um, connected and communicate more with their healthcare team. And I think that allows for more education um, for the patient. It allows for more engagement. And so technology, I think, is the key to enhancing those types of, of relationships in patient care. No, no, you're right. And, and you mentioned before about HIPAA and really the guidelines around that and keeping mm -hmm. information confidential. And I have to imagine, Tim, on the insurance side, you know, like the telehealth and, and giving those those ways of communicating, you know, like protected communication has got to be very beneficial um, from the insurance side of things. I don't, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the tools, it, we're so used to using our mobile phones yeah. for everything we do. We make purchases there. And leveraging that technology as part of the healthcare experience, um, those the software that's being used is is very secure, and it also allows for the easy transfer of data. So you know, imagine scenarios where you see 
a telehealth provider. That information can be uploaded to your patient record, can be shared with other specialists for second opinions, and it's all done in a really secure environment. Um, Dr. Jennifer made a great point about the engagement. That's such a critical part of the healthcare experience, right? The education, the engagement, the being able to move data from one system to another system, transfer records. And then also just using that to monitor your own progress, people managing chronic conditions, Mm -hmm. you know, keeping the data readily available, updating it in the palm of their hand, having it for their next appointment or their next visit. It's all really um, a dynamic process that helps people get informed. You know, with the mm -hmm. touch of a finger, you can get more information. And, And being a user myself, it's easy to compare, like, what my results were this time versus the last two times and just to see what my progress is, good, bad, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and and how well I'm doing from that standpoint. So there's a lot of pros to the whole telehealth market or, or area and where things are going. Mm-hmm. What about the cons? There's got to be negatives around it. What do you what do you see some of the negatives on telehealth? Yeah, there's, there's been a little bit of a, a an uphill battle getting people comfortable with it first and foremost. For the last mm-hmm. couple of years, I think it's gained some traction, uh, but there's clearly some limitations too. Um, it's a really good tool for acute, you know, very common type scenarios that you might see a provider for. But if, if things are a little bit more complicated or, or advanced, there are some limitations, sure. right? You know, in any industry, really, not just healthcare, but um, when you have consumers, whether they're patients, clients, or customers, there's this element of, you know, human connection. And I think yeah. there's there's something that's that's really sacred and special about that patient-doctor relationship. And um, there are times, I think, where that is really best, you know, that relationship is really best um, cultivated and, and um, you know, cradled in that face-to-face interaction, you know, whether it's just a a clinical exam that you can't necessarily um, accurately get with with a telehealth visit, or just the, you know, the simple connection um, point of of building relationship with your patient, with their spouse, with their children, with their family. I think that is is something that's so special in in healthcare. And so I think telehealth is a great tool, like you mentioned, um, for certain scenarios, but I also think that it shouldn't be a replacement yeah. for the more traditional experiences of that that in person connection that we have with our patients. I think that's that's valuable and and really critical to try to um, preserve. Yeah, those are great points. And then we you think about telehealth, and I think one of the gray areas that we're starting to see is around billing, right? mm-hmm. like what what constitutes a, a new a new charge versus a follow-up question or like a prescription refill or or you know like something that's more common versus and you probably see it more and more on, mm-hmm. on, on the physician side is mm-hmm. is is maybe some of the messages become more complex or there's new like maybe they're looking at new issues that they have and, sure, and want sure. want your you know like your response to that or or, or mm-hmm. opinion I mean, what challenges does that provide you from the practice side point yeah, as, as th- billing? And- sure, sure. I think there's definitely um, some challenges there. And I think traditionally before um, the the development of these billable codes that yeah. now go along, that insurance companies now accept and support, 
Um, you know, there's specific codes that go along with telephone visits and virtual visits that we can bill the insurance companies for our time. And this has even extended into messaging, billing codes that can correspond to messaging. So for instance, patients that are involved in, um, you know, platforms like MyChart, where you can actually directly message your providers and their staff, um, they are now, you know, incorporating codes into the billing and coding system. Because I think traditionally, you know, and, and this is in, in all fields, but you know, traditionally, physicians do spend a lot of um, uncompensated time, you know, whether it's time at home, after hours, weekends, doing charting, reviewing medical records, um, answering messages. So it is, I think, quite an enhancement that there are, now that that's becoming more common, that there are ways that the insurance company is sort of reimbursing for that sure. time that's spent. Well, we see the challenges on the provider side. What about on the insurance side, Tim? I mean, has it become an issue yet? You know, I think as it, this gains popularity mm -hmm. and the prevalence is, is increased, um, I think we'll see more focus on how it's being handled. It's right new. You know, it's very mm -hmm. timely right now that uh, the conversation around messaging back and forth through these platforms with the doctors and providers is that, you know, how do we charge for that or what's yeah. appropriate? Mm -hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you what's fundamentally important about this is we've been talking to groups that sponsor healthcare plans and their members for a long time about the importance of having a relationship with a primary care physician or physicians that are managing your chronic conditions. And our system has evolved in a way that there's a lot of pressure. You know, provider practices have very large patient panels and, and lots of patients. So we can leverage tools like electronic charts and uh, telemed and connect to virtual connectivity to physicians, that can also go a long way to helping folks establish that relationship with mm -hmm. the doctor that's managing their care. It just adds that element of convenience. You know, we've all had the situation where you need to get in for an appointment and it can take weeks. Or when you do finally get the appointment, you really don't have too much time mm -hmm. with the physician. So unless you've done your homework and you're, you're ready with your questions that you want, to have answers for, you might not have that real solid opportunity to do so. So leveraging these tools can really make uh, and solidify that relationship sure. with the person helping you to manage your care. Um, but the billing piece of it and how expansive this gets, mm -hmm. I think we'll see that evolve yeah. as, as more and more people adopt these platforms. Now, is it something that as business owners, if, if they promote that, is that a way to help reduce their expenses from healthcare standpoint? Uh, so I think it can be. You know, the, the the site of care and where people choose to participate in the healthcare system when they need it is not all created equal, right? Sure. There's a lot of variance and cost out there. So these are really good options as a point of entry into the healthcare system, right? You may have a, an acute situation and telehealth might solve that completely. Um, as opposed to someone that, you know, runs right to an urgent care or an ER sure. where the cost will be dramatically higher for, for the member and for the plan that's sponsoring sure. their care as well. Well, we're talking about costs. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about healthcare costs and, and maybe ways businesses or, or even individuals can look at reducing that overall cost to themselves or, or, or companies. Cause 
like as you, as you think about it, you said it was the second largest expense for businesses behind payroll and healthcare expenses continue to rise. So what are some things companies or, or individuals should, should look at to help reduce their expenses? Well, I think some of the things we've already um, hit on is is trying to get patients more actively engaged in their health and wellness. So, um, you know, a lot of times, um, and you may have uh, a better grasp on this, but you know, the your cost for for a company to to provide healthcare benefits to their company really depends on sometimes the chronic disease and the expense that you have among your group of employees. So, you know, even doing, um, you know, company-wide wellness programs and um, maybe competitions among your staff, where whether it's how many steps a day do you get in, um, and encouraging your patients to um, be a part of the telehealth programs and, and the the platforms such as MyChart so that they can be more actively engaged in their healthcare. And I think what that will do is help to ultimately reduce their costs, um, maybe help to, you know, reduce, reduce their disease burden and, and increase their, their outcomes in terms of their personal health, which I think overall benefits the company as a whole. I know, I know, Tim, I've seen in the past where larger companies, um, like employees would have devices, whether it was a smart watch or, or something that they had on their wrist that tracked steps and tracked activity. Mm-hmm. And, and you can almost tier what your, what your costs were, were going to be based on your profile as an individual. I mean, is that still popular? Are companies still doing that? Yeah, we, we've seen companies try to leverage technology through wearables or, you know, most people walk around with a, a smartphone in their pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a big focus on leveraging that technology for targeted communication and education. So in other words, if you're if you're a group that has a lot of chronic disease or a lot of diabetes, which is common in a lot of groups, mm-hmm. sending targeted messages just to the people that that information is applicable to, kind of filtering out the white noise. Sure. And these tech platforms will allow you to do that, right? So you can send appropriate messaging and education to the, the demographics that it'll be most impactful. So that's a big part of it. And again, that all ties back into how that data can be used and how they can share that information with the providers that are helping them manage their conditions. Um, a lot of the, the companies that are focused on those solutions also have um, the opportunity f- for folks to have some care navigation. Our healthcare system can be quite challenging to navigate. Sure. So providing es- extra resources mm. to help them manage the system because you know, healthcare is not all created equal in terms of the quality and the cost. So giving somebody an advocate or a helping hand to help them navigate the system can go a long way to helping contain costs too. Mm-hmm. So those programs and, and those platforms are becoming more popular as well. Okay, great. Now, as we look at the medical industry continuing to evolve uh, in the future, one of the things that has become more and more popular is concierge or, or retainer type services mm-hmm. um, from a medical professional. Um, Dr. Prezio, so why don't you talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. that and, and what does it look like and maybe the benefits are around that? Sure, absolutely. I think we do, at least in our practice, see um, more an increased volume of patients that maybe are, are seeking healthcare care 
and seeking services sort of outside of insurance um, platforms. Maybe they just, they don't have insurance and they just want to do like cash pay or, or self pay, um, which we do offer. And, and it's, it's sort of something where we'll offer like a discounted rate for sure. those patients that, that want that care. And, and on the topic of concierge medicine, I think it's definitely becoming something that that we're hearing happen more where there's more of these subscription type of services where you're paying more for individualized and, and more personalized one-on-one care with your providers and with your healthcare team. And I think um, with rising healthcare costs that are affecting everybody, some patients, consumers, you know, weigh the numbers and they think, I'd rather pay for a subscription service monthly or annually and have that more direct individualized care rather than giving that um, that money to the insurance company sure. um, because you can have maybe um, your physicians more accessible. Maybe the, um, you know, your costs are actually decreased in the end. Yeah. Maybe you have decreased wait times. And, and so I think there's a lot of advantages to that. And I think, you know, we are seeing that more and more with um, physicians and especially like primary care type of specialties offering those types of services. And I think patients love it. Yeah, great. Now, now Tim, what about from the insurance side? I mean, how, how has that impacted? Like Dr. Prezioso was talking about cash pay and, and, and more of it being maybe not going through the insurance company. Um, how does that impact? Well, over the last five, six years, we've started to connect a lot of clients with these, these programs, sure. primarily um, concierge on-site primary care or near-site primary care. Um, the interesting thing is they're, they're structured in a way that it's uh, on a, a capitated fee basis, right? So anyone using that service, there's not, it's not generating claims for an insurance company. Sure. Um, but the, the real attractiveness of that whole model is the dramatically reduced patient panel sizes. So the physicians can spend more time with each individual member, uh, it's a lot easier to get an appointment. So, you know, it goes back to the earlier comment about people being engaged and educated and having that relationship with a clinical professional or a doctor that's helping them manage their overall health and well-being. And that model really enhances the ability to do that. Um, again, because of the, the much smaller patient panel sizes, which is not thousands and thousands of patients, sure. but maybe tops out at, you know, five, six, seven hundred, those physicians can generally practice at a much higher level of their licensure and do more things in office that under our sort of what's become our traditional system might be one or two or three office visits or a referral out. Sure. So mm-hmm. in the end, it, it really can help to control some costs. But I think the important thing is it's that accessibility, getting people in sooner having them be able to build a relationship with their physician. And by the way, a lot of those practices are also leveraging the technology that we've been talking yeah. about. So sure. once you have that connected relationship, you know, those those concierge doctors often have, you know, you may even have 24-7 access to them through a, a, a text or whatever, yeah. and you can convene with your doctor. So Sure, mm-hmm. sure. And, and if we talk about costs, and let's talk about the different types of, of health insurance that companies can, can provide employees. Um, there's the high deductible plans and the prover- provider plans. Uh, what, are, what are some of the pros and cons um, for each one of those? 
Yeah, really, there, there's um, a lot of different ways you can structure sure. and bring a plan to, you know, a company can bring a plan to its employees. Um, the high-deductible health plans, most commonly associated with a health savings account, can be one way that you can encourage folks to get a little bit more engaged. They have a little bit more skin in the game, right? The way those plans are structured, the regulations are such that, you know, you have to have a certain level deductible and the first dollar on any healthcare expense comes out of your own pocket. So you, you want to leverage the tools and access to the resources you have to become a smarter consumer of healthcare. That was the gist of those plans when they, when they came into existence. They're still quite popular. Um, but again, I think the biggest challenge that companies like Westfield Bank and many other companies have is just providing their members the tools to navigate what can be a pretty complex, complicated mm-hmm. healthcare system. Thanks, Tim. That was, that was a lot of great information. Um, you know, another thing I wanted to touch on is, is really around mergers and acquisitions of really the, the healthcare systems mm-hmm. and, and what type of impact that's had, maybe from a, a patient side or, or the care side. Mm-hmm. So I, you want to comment on that, Doctor? Yes, sure. I think that um, mergers and acquisitions is um, quite an interesting topic, I think, um, right now. And, and it's not new. Obviously, um, you know, antitrust and and the Federal Trade Commission has been talking about this since the late 1800s, right? So this is not something, you know, there's always been a a push to sort of preserve that competition in our market and and healthcare has been part of that. Um, So I think that there are definitely positives and negatives along with mergers and acquisitions. And I think the past few decades, we have seen quite a bit of that taking place across the country, um, in Ohio especially. Um, I think that maybe the past few years it might have been approached more with caution um, just because of some of the labor shortages, supply chain challenges that we've been experiencing. Um, But I don't think that that trend is going to slow down. Um, I think we see both, you know, um, horizontal integration, which is like hospital purchasing another hospital. We see vertical integration, which is hospital system maybe creating its own insurance plan while at the same time purchasing private practice groups. So then you've got this, um, this sort of uh, consolidated healthcare network. I think that vertical type of system, um, attempts to control costs. Um, I think, because of maybe decreasing, um, you know, um, supply cost, acquiring talent by purchasing physician groups. Um, however, I think that what what we see is the downside of this is Medicare billing, for example. You know, hospital systems are charging Medicare more for labs, imaging, surgical procedures, any services really provided out of a hospital setting is going to be a higher cost. Um, sent to Medicare than if independent practitioners and, and private groups are billing for those. So I think when you read what the experts are predicting and, and what they're watching is, do these um, large consolidation efforts really control costs and improve quality, which is 
the whole point that I think they're trying to achieve, similar to value-based care, we're trying to have um, you know better outcomes and reduce costs. But I think I think the jury's still out on that because yeah. I think there's also increasing costs when you're consolidating and you're essentially decreasing the competition. Also, um, you know, patients really want more choices and yeah. reduce costs, and and I think some of that may be threatened a little bit with these um, large integrations that are yeah. occurring. And it, it's funny you say that, because when you look around, I mean, the number of options is definitely limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if you go back to maybe the late 90s, early 2000s, it seems like when a lot of the independents really merged, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of it was because they had to, because billing became too complicated, mm-hmm. malpractice became too mm-hmm. expensive. Um, you know, like they couldn't find the right help and 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 they had to, to merge and and, yes. and go together just to be able to continue to provide those services. Right. And so, like you say, the, the jury's still out on that. Do you ever see it where it comes back where there's more independent operations going on again? Or, I think or? it's I think it's a great question and I think it's a trend to watch. And yeah. I think what may um what may drive that um pendulum sw- shift back over to more independent groups is really the the consumer. I think because, you know, this this past few minutes we've been talking about, um, you know, the patient desire to have more engagement, more connection, convenience, accessibility. Um, patients don't want to feel like a number. They want to no. feel like family. They want to feel cared about. They want to feel like part of their healthcare team. And I think there is um, something to be said for some of that. Um, really shining when you look at these smaller, independent, more intimate groups that are now, um, you know, still providing that evidence-based care that we all expect, still providing that modern, um, you know, high technology environment, but in maybe a smaller setting, sure. you know, sort of like there's a shift from, you know, big supermarkets to, um, you know, farmers markets no. or you know so i think there is is sort of consumers like to have that more intimate feel and no. i think that could drive um an increase over the next decade or so in more small independent practices sure. the relationship that's yeah. always key right. from that standpoint tim what about on the insurance side Did you see mergers and acquisitions yeah, I mean, what impacts absolutely since uh, since you know i've been at this for almost 20 years now, there's been a lot of consolidation in health plans and insurance companies. And, you know, when those mergers and consolidations happened, um, there were some efficiencies and synergies. And, you know, we saw some investment in in technologies and and, and things that they could bring as resources to their subscribers. But, you know, it's also a reduction of competition. So there's some cost pressures that come out of those kind of scenarios as well. But I think, you know, when we, and by the way, I thought your answer was really good because there's, um, you know, there's this this notion that ultimately the consumers are going to really start to dictate what it is that they want. And we're seeing some of that. And with the rise of, you know, boutique uh, practices and concierge practices and, um, you know, people want to have that experience mm-hmm. again, I think. And some of that was maybe lost with the pressures of the large systems driving production. You know, a lot of patients mm-hmm. and make sure you're seeing them and moving along and, and referring them in the system. Um, but there's no one 
tool, a resource. That's why we have to, you know, educate our members, educate our groups that sponsor these healthcare plans that, you know, you can leverage some of the tools and technology that we're talking about to look a little further afield to find sure. the right resources and, and answers. You know, for ex- uh, here's a classic example. When we use these tools and these um, technological advancements, you know, you can have somebody seeking care right in their neighborhood, but maybe connecting to a specialist on the other side of the sure. country that mm-hmm. is really the, you know, the, the most prominent person in that field and, and giving them advice or counsel on how to manage that condition that they might not get right in their own backyard. So it's kind of the perfect balance of, of using these tools and resources, using some support through programs with care navigation or patient advocacy sure. to help them kind of find their way to the right answers and to the right care and at the right cost, it's, you know, at the right value. So it's all kind of interconnected for sure. No, no, great. I think one challenge you have is as technology continues to grow and, and, and the consumer has more and more, you know, like opportunity to use it is, is a challenge around, you probably see it all the time, self-diagnosis where they, they're diagnosing themselves sure. and they're coming in and, oh, I'm yes. sure I have this or this and this and I'll maybe talk about some of those challenges you see around right, that. Right, right. I think every, you know, patients usually do come in with, um, a list of questions and a list of things that they maybe have looked up online. But to be honest, I think it it um, proves to sometimes create a more dynamic and interactive visit with no. the patient because, you know, they're coming in with some very specific questions. Um, they've done some research on their exact symptoms. And so it does make it uh, make it more enjoyable sometimes because you get mm-hmm. to sort of you know, bounce ideas off of each other and, and maybe educate the patient a little bit more. Um, so I think it just adds to the engagement. And, um, you know, as long as they're open-minded too and, and willing to, to listen to the perspective of the, of the practitioner and not just the computer, sure. then um, it, it's fine, you know, but yeah. we do see that a lot. Well, we know, you know like the whole industry is evolving and, and things are always changing. So what are some trends that you see in the future? Tim, what, what do you see? Yeah, so we've been talking a lot about the different tools and resources and technology. Um, you know, I, I, the thing that I'm watching, and I think a lot of my colleagues and, and folks in this industry at large are watching, is the application of you know medical advancements in technology, the whole area of genetics and using you know um, genetics to map and understand earlier who's prone to have certain diagnoses and how they can intervene earlier or the whole area of uh, pharmacogenomics where you're looking at what prescription drugs are going to be the most effective at treating certain conditions based on someone's own genetic makeup and and kind of leaving behind the, the whole era of, you know, trial and error. Let's try this drug or let's try that drug. Now we can maybe more laser focus on, on the right path at an earlier stage sure. of a diagnosis. Those things come with some serious cost implications, right? As, as the field of genetics and how it's being applied into medicine evolves, you know, we're, we're looking at unique solutions to address that. Pooling of resources, mm-hmm. lots of groups coming together to pay, you know, smaller capitated amounts to, 
to offset sure. one hit, you know, um, expenses from very, very intricate, complicated diagnoses with genetic um, pharmaceuticals that can be, you know, extremely, you know, in the order of millions of dollars. You know, one thing that has caught my attention recently um, is some of these larger companies that are start, starting to try to get into the primary care services market, such as Amazon and Walmart and, mm-hmm. and these larger businesses that are um, getting into that. And I'm, I'm sure, Tim, you may be seeing some of the, the implications of that as well. But, you know, it goes along with the pharmacies who do their, you know, clinics and mm-hmm. um, their on-site visits for this, this primary care, you know, um, services. So that's interesting to me. Um, and I think also just, I think the wellness um, side of healthcare is going to continue to take off and be prevalent. Um, I think, you know, over the past decade, we've really been focusing as, you know, the healthcare in our nation has been focusing on moving towards preventative healthcare, proactive approach to your health and wellness rather than disease care. And I think that's, that's proven to, um, cause, uh, you know, have a tremendous impact in, you know, patient health and, and outcomes. So I think we're going to see more of that, um, more of a focus on wellness and, and well checks and well visits and, and being proactive and, and, you know, having that patient take that proactive role in their, in their healthcare. So I'm excited about that. Um, one thing we always, allow our our guests to talk about is what's on their watch list. Something that you think is important for our guests to know about, our viewers to to know about. And it doesn't necessarily have to be around the medical industry. Maybe something that is like something you're watching that's uh, of interest to you. Tim, we'll we'll start with you uh, on your watch list. Is there anything out there you'd like to share with with our viewers? I, I think watching, you know, I think the thing that we'll be watching is the, the application of new technologies. Um, in the healthcare field, the cost associated with those, and then strategies from, um, you know, insurance companies or employers who self-fund their plans. How are they going to, you know, tackle and address sure. some of those things? Things like, you know, pooling resources or um, different types of funding arrangements to to offset um, some of the anticipated costs that comes along with those kind of changes. Um, you know, I think those are some of the things that we're constantly keeping our eyes on and, and trying to find new and unique ways to address those sure. as they come into the market. Okay. What about you, Dr. Prezio? So maybe from a patient standpoint or mm-hmm. provider standpoint, anything else you'd like to share with the audience? I think it's just, you know, I think my take-home message continues to sort of have a common theme, but I think it is important for patients to... Um, take a proactive role, really educate themselves on what their options are in terms of what their um, options are in terms of insurance um, plans, you know, understand their insurance plan and, and really what is offered to them. Um, and also, I, I think it's important to know that there are a lot, you know, there's a shift right now and, and practitioners and providers are hearing that that um, desire for patients. And, and I think they're they're craving a little bit more out of their healthcare, and I think, I think there's plenty of practices out there that are, that are offering, you know, that that evidence-based, um, modern facility, modern um, offerings, with that, you know, while preserving connection, sure. care, 
accessibility. And I think that's what the future of healthcare is, um, is that beautiful blend of that connection with your, your providers, but also in a modern, you know, high technology setting and, and you're really expecting the best care. Um, on both of those ends. And I think, I think that's where it lies in it. And, and the power lies with the patient, I think, to yeah. make those choices yeah. and to educate themselves. Well, we covered a lot of information today. So I do want to thank you both for joining me and just providing your insights on, on today's topic. Thank you again. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Erica Bailey, Suzanne Favre, Corinne Wilson, Kartika Caffey, the marketing and communications strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender.